Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Testing Peers. Tonight we're going to be talking about healthy expectations in the workplace and what that actually means. We're going to cover it a bit later on. We haven't got the full awesome again. We've got two of the normal, well, three of the normal people. Are we normal? Uh, we've got Chris. No. Hello. Russell. Hello. Myself, Dave Maynard, and we have another special guest. He has appeared before on the Glue Work episode. It is Vernon Richards. Hello. So before we get on to the topic, we'd like to thank Saffron QA, who continue to be our sponsor. They are also uh, here to support us in the testing community. Uh, therefore, should any of our listeners be in the market for a new job in testing or hiring new talent for your team, then please reach out to Ben directly. He can be contacted via email at ben at saffronqa.co.uk or all the details will also be in our show notes. So, after the introductions, let's pass over to Chris for the banter. Well, now I don't know if you've ever looked at software and found it quite annoying, um, but I today was trying to use the new and enhanced ITV on-demand app and it turns out the search feature on it sucks. I was trying to find the easiest way to search for a show. And, you know, it's like a string. You're searching for something. And so I chose one of the words that are in the title, the one that I could fill out as quickly as I could do using the annoying QWERTY keyboard that's on the screen because I didn't want to type the whole name of the show. And it didn't work. No results were found. And I thought... Oh, man, software sucks. Have you found any recent software really annoying? Yeah, I, I found Teams annoying. As much because I was setting up a public channel so that the whole company can access it. And you can easily add it to it by clicking on the bottom button to add and subscribe to channels within Teams. And then there's a helpful search function at the top. And so I typed in a word that was part of the title and it didn't find it. And I knew it was there and because unfortunately you have to put in the word public beforehand. So you have to type in public so that it knows it's a public. It can't just search for a part of the string that's in there, which for a product like that really annoyed me and doesn't help with trying to find something that's supposed to be easy to find because it's public. I've got multiple problems with software. Everything I use. So I got one from Dave and I went to log into my online banking. Simple task, using my face recognition on my mobile phone. Went in, it went, have you got online banking? Like, Duh, I've been logging in here for months. And it completely wiped my account details, my face ID and all the authentication. So I had to go through password resets, which because it's a bank also meant having to call them. So in order to actually just use my app that had been working until today, I had to end up spending half an hour setting it all back up again, which annoyed me. And then the other one, which was this weekend, I was trying to get into my account for theatre account to buy some tickets. And I can't buy the tickets unless I log into the account. It said reset password. So I did. And I used the iPhone recommended long string password. But it didn't save it. So, you know, we normally get the option to like update your password with that new one. Didn't give me that. So when I tried logging in again, I didn't have a clue what it was. 
So I couldn't, so I had to reset again. Turns out if you reset your password twice within a short space of time, they cleverly block you. So I can't reset my password anymore <laughs> because I now have to call them. <laughs> again, just because software isn't working, just made life more harder. And I get really frustrated by this. And now you can't get your theatre tickets. And now I can't get my theatre tickets until I call them and I haven't been bothered to call them. <laughs> Fun times. Oh, I have one. I had a bit of a challenge uh, last week. We were... So I'm I'm going to the US for a conference and I've managed to persuade my wife to come with me. And uh, so that meant booking tickets for the three of us. But the first annoying thing is I was on British Airways website and you go through and you search for everything. You're like, sick, awesome. There's the flight that I want. Tickets cost this much. Amazing. You go to book and it's like, nope, can't book. Like, what? And then so you, so you go through it again and you, you hit buy. It doesn't work. And the reason is because, and you've probably ran into this before, the ticket prices are not always up to date. And invariably that means they're more expensive. <laughs> in, this, in this situation. So again, like like Russell, you have to call <laughs> and find out what is going on. And they're like, oh yeah, the prices are different, this, that, and the And then paying and then paying for it was another saga because you know because I'm because I'm traveling essentially for work and my wife isn't we had to use two different sets of cards for two different transactions and system said no <laughs> you will not use two different cards you will call this again it was very 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 frustrating and even on the call it didn't work again because the credit card company um blocked the card and then it was an additional card holder, and then we had to do. It was just <laughs> an absolute saga. It was like, do we really want to go on this trip anymore? Because it's just demoralising now at this point. Technology sometimes really lets you down, doesn't it? Things are supposed to make things easy, but they just don't. Yeah, I don't. I, it was like, okay, block the card, but then if you can send the, you know the authorization information to the correct phone number. That's always useful. <laughs> That's uh, dead handy if you do that. And if you don't do it, it can be an utter pain in the ass, which is what happened. Yeah. So it was also the, the other thing that frustrates me is the fact that face recognition didn't work when you had a mask on. That I, I just got a new phone that had face recognition and then we all covered our faces with masks and it didn't work. And they just fixed it just as they allowed us not to have to wear masks again. Fantastic. I was really pleased about that. Anyway, on to the topic. So healthy expectations in the workplace. Who'd like to explain? I think Russell's got a good explanation because he came up with the idea. Yeah, it's definitely Russell. I, I knew I was going to get dumped into this. I don't really have a good explanation for it, but as a group, let's, let's agree on one. So originally it was kind of just inspiration about how we kind of balance the pressures that we put on ourselves and that kind of the people around us, our companies and things, on us uh, put on us so that kind of expectation management about how hard you work or how long you work or you know when you come back from holiday do you pre-read your emails before you go in for the first day that sort of expectations that we place partly upon ourselves and partly sometimes we feel maybe placed upon us and it was just kind of 
you know, what is healthy, what is reasonable, what's unreasonable. In our opinions, I think we're going to say it depends. I'm fairly confident of that one already. <laughs> but it was just to kind of share our experiences, our understandings, our, our kind of likes, dislikes, to kind of help kind of share that with our listeners, I think. Anything you want to add, anyone, though? That's a good starting point, I think. Um, I think we can probably all relate to the idea of sat in a room or a virtual room and comparing what we do, how we act, all those things to other people, probably assuming that everyone else knows more than us, can do more than us, spends more time on their work outside of work than we do. And you kind of, the whole keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing where you think, I've always got to do more, I'm always, always playing catch up. And it's not a very nice and comfortable place to be. And more often than not, if we just talked about it, we'd probably discover. But we've probably also all worked with people who do send emails outside of hours, who do have strange working practices that we would never do. And so that only skews our perception more, right? Yeah, I guess sometimes I would argue there's valid reasons for doing it. And sometimes it seems it's not clear to us and not transparent to us. Um, I've worked in companies lots of times recently with um, flexible working policies, which means it's actually normal for someone who actually might be working 7 till 9 p.m. at night because they were dealing with their kids from 3 to 5. So, you know, what becomes normal changes. And some people I've known in the past was like, oh, that's sending work out of hours. And the other people receive those and they go, they're expecting a response. And it's, I guess it's all this kind of modern world we work in multinational, flexible working things and how that changes how we perceive information. I think it's true. I think that certain people in this company, because they, it's a global company, some people, you seem to send a message to them at any particular point in another geographic location. And somehow they seem to be still awake and it's sort of three or four in the morning and you don't quite know. But they might be, as you say, Russell, they might be travelling, they might be doing something else. I think we need to sets examples ourselves you know I, I i do admit sometimes i do send messages in things but the expectation is not that it will be replied and i don't then have to reply and exacerbate that particular conversation i also think that we shouldn't always do overtime or overtime should be seen as yes you're doing excellent work because actually you know and I, we did mention that at the beginning we won't go into a lot of detail, but it leads, can lead to burnout and you can overextend uh, yourself. And also it sets a precedence of how much, the, if you keep doing that, then people will expect that all the time. I remember at a previous company, there was a, an engineer who worked on Saturday, started working on Saturdays and the client started thinking, all right, they're working on Saturdays, therefore it's a consistent thing. And so getting out of that routine and going, no, Saturdays, I'm no longer working it, it's very difficult to do because that expectation had been set. So actually that's another conversation is how do you break those particular things? But I know we're concentrating on what the good behaviours are at the moment. I even think good is is so, so context dependent. Like, you know, it kind of depends what your goal is, what the environment is, you know, where, where is the company, who's who's there, to say working on Saturdays is bad, my, my, you know, there is a, there are scenarios where that isn't actually true. Um, I think I think I think the problem, 
the problems arise is when there's a difference in the expectations and they don't get surfaced until you know some critical some critical juncture like what do you mean you're not going to work Saturday uh no <laughs> that's not happening you know that kind of thing I think that that can be a challenge so so it's all, it's all it seems really context dependent to kind of to to figure that out like I've got I've got some teammates in so the team I'm in we've got people in in North America actually North America <laughs> and and here in Europe <laughs> and you know, I was just, I just, I was just giving a shout out to a, to to one of my North American teammates because he used this, he he used the schedule message feature in Slack like an absolute legend. So one of my teammates was like, "Hey, we just found a problem with this." She's also she's in Berlin, so she's in Europe. She was like, "Oh, we just found this problem," and so we jumped on a call, had a conversation. He was like, "Right, I'm going to go fix the thing." Obviously, we cleared off. And then at nine o'clock, a message appeared. It would have been, what, four in the morning? Obviously, he was not awake. Oh, I fixed the thing. I've deployed it to the environment. And we're like, that is sick. So that was a really good use of you know, asynchronous communication to uh, to kind of alleviate the whole expectations of when people should be messaging and all the rest of it. That was really cool. It's a good point. It is about being conscious of the audience, I think, is ultimately what it comes down to because you're talking about in a multi time zone place workplace that you ping when it's natural for you oh, i've just done that thing and it's the people you're messaging could be a big group in which case it's probably still right to message there and then but if it's targeted to an individual or a certain problem that they're going to retest then timing your message makes more sense and it goes with emails as well if you're sending out an email that's going across multiple time zones there isn't a good time to send it so maybe that's the time to send it. It's just then. But if you're messaging just people, everyone in the UK, messaging at 11 p.m. at night isn't necessarily good in the Outlook, as an example. There are other providers. Um, it's quite good now at being able to delay messages. So is Slack, Teams. They're all quite good at that. So I've used that quite heavily recently when I've been choosing to get through some work late. Like I'd gone off, played badminton, come back online at 10 o'clock at night just to get some things done because I knew it would make my life easier and I have flexible working, so I get that time back. So I did that, but I scheduled all my messages to go at 8, 8.30 in the morning, rather than people seeing me doing work late at night, because I didn't want the perception that working late is a positive thing or my workload's too manic, because it wasn't. It was a choice I made. But it's about knowing when your audience is and using some of the tools we've got to help us message and communicate effectively and not self set false expectations on our own workload. Cause mm. if someone sees me messaging at 11 PM, they could think I'm overworked um, or think that working late is normal. And again, I don't want to set those, those cues up for people. It's dangerous, isn't it? In, in, in a world of sort of everyone making assumptions, you don't want to be overly transparent because you know, you don't need to share every, ounce of your life with people but there are people that you should let know i'm going to be available with these bits and like you know people update their calendars and whatnot but um there's also these sort of I've, I've, i don't know if you've ever worked with people that that have monitored their hours to the nth degree and they will down tools the minute their hours are completed even if the work's not done and and this is this is very context specific 
I uh, once had a boss who wasn't very good at communicating corporately. But when we chatted to him, we said, look, we can't start any new work now because there's not enough time. This was when it was a bit more of a sort of shift-based pattern. And he said, look, I don't mind if if you're a bit more loose and free with your time. If you've done your work now and there's no point in starting something new, that's cool. As long as when we need you, you're going to be here and show that sort of flexibility back. And there is a bit of a give and take with these things, isn't there? People don't want to be taken advantage of, but also work isn't always something that's going to fit into fortnightly sprints. Sometimes there is work that we have to do that's not going to be at the most wonderful time. Sometimes I might have to rock up at my kid's school and watch sports day in the middle of the day. And I think it's it's difficult because you don't want to always reveal your entire life to your colleagues and everything that you're doing. Um, but the, the way companies have culture and communication and how they do these things, often you do kind of get that tone set by your leaders, right? And it can be, it can flip on a sixpence if you change your manager sometimes, can't it? I don't know if you've ever sort of changed your line management and all of a sudden everything is... Yeah, very hard and fast. I had to sign into one place, and the the manager would put a big red line underneath the sign in sheet on a day if you were late, for example, and he'd dot people's pay and stuff like that. That's pretty terrible. Well, I was going to say that it isn't just necessarily the manager; it's it's also the 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 company as well and the values that the companies hold. You know, sometimes some companies can be very sort of draconian and and sort of you must work these particular hours you know and and we're showing that in in terms of you know you must come back to work and work in the office for certain days or or certain number of hours or or whatever and and as society is now we need to decide in ourselves what what limitations what rules are we willing to do because again as chris said you know it isn't just school you know we've we've got used to this flexibility that actually we're not going to be, we don't have to ask permission so much if we have to stay home for a parcel delivery or the plumber coming or whatever. We can fit that into the day because that's that that's what we can do at home because we can work from home. So it's become a bit more flexible in that. But in terms of the sort of timings and things, again, it comes back to the manager, but it also comes back to the company values as well. So I think David and Chris's point, I think it does change on the company culture, the manager culture. It can be different. I know managers that there may be a company policy, but they will take the heat and give some flexibility to the staff. And I know people that will toe the line, you know, this is the company policy, therefore you must all abide by it. And sometimes you've got flexibility, sometimes you haven't. There's all sorts of different things. And I've worked in places where they clock watch, they monitor your seconds. And um, I must admit, I haven't done this in tech. This was much more before tech in my world where like on the phone lines, things like that, literally if you took a six minute toilet break rather than a five, which is what you're allowed, there'll be questions asked. But if you stay 20 minutes late to solve a customer query, not even a pat on the back, not even a a thank you, not even anything else, but actually you probably get told off for having a call average that lasts longer than six minutes again or something like that. But the culture is obviously very, very different. I feel much better in places, and I'm sure many of you might agree, where there's more trust, there's more empowerment, like sprints. No matter how we do things, there's still generally going to be a bit of stress at the end if you've got to get everything done at the end of a sprint still. That's your model. 
there's still generally a bugs coming up, some regression need to be done. Something always happens at the end, unless you're doing continuous delivery models and things where actually it's constant. But if you're still trying to do a build at the end of a sprint, that's going to load the end of your sprint. And you can start planning your time and managing it a little bit. Um, obviously, prefer not to, but we all we can start figuring out when we're going to be busy, when the peaks and troughs are. We can manage our own time. We can work less. But again, if it works for us. One of the things that kind of triggered this thought conversation wasn't just about time. It was about the little things that we do to try and get ahead of time. So that's like reading on your way to work, your Slack messages. That's checking your emails when you come back from holiday and trying to go through them before you come in for the first day. That's spending extra time that isn't committed, isn't necessarily visible as well, that we sometimes do, to make ourselves feel better, that we're committed. Sometimes it's to make sure that we have value from the minute we land. Like when I get into the office, I've read my emails, I can go straight away. And I don't know of any bosses that have had that expectation on me, but I know I've done that myself. I've wanted to be hitting the ground running wherever I am. So I've tried and I've spent extra time. Now, every time I've ever spoken to a boss or when I've been the boss, I've said, no, no, like you're on holiday. Monday, that's when you start reading your emails. You know, nine o'clock, that's when you're coming in. That's when you start reading your emails. You got a meeting at nine o'clock in the morning? Okay. Then after that meeting, you start reading your emails. Um, if someone's booked you in for the meeting the first moment you're back, then they should expect you not to be up to speed. It's false otherwise. But anyway, my rant over. I think, it's important. I think, I think that's <clears throat> related to the point I wanted to make. I think, I think the individual, there's an onus, there's, it's almost like there's two different things going on. So the individual, I think, I think there's an onus on that individual to share or communicate their own expectations of how they see the demands on their time and to share that and to share that with their, particularly their immediate teammates, you know, direct reports, managing up, down, whatever, peers. Ah, peers, irrelevant. Um, um, but there's also... And I think several of you, I think all of you have made this point. I think there's also an onus on if you for you, if you're in a leadership position, to notice. Like if you notice that Russell is coming back from his holiday, you know, he arrives back on Monday, he's not in the office till Wednesday, and you and you and you catch him and do air quotes, no one can see them on who's listening on the podcast, and you catch him on Tuesday going through his Slack messages and emails and stuff, like how do you react to that? And I think there's an onus to kind of, to notice the people that you're leading when they're doing things like that. Sometimes it could be okay. And other times it may not be. And I think, and I think you need to be able to kind of, you know, if there's, when, when the time comes around to kind of recognize people's efforts, whether it's pay reviews or promotions or things like that, and you see people going the extra mile, when they didn't need to, I think when you don't notice, it hurts. So you should notice, say thanks in the immediate short term. And if there's an opportunity to reward that person with something more tangible later, do that. But if they're overdoing it, you also need to notice. Like you can't let people keep, you know, going above and beyond with, without getting some rest. 
And you, need, you really need to be mindful of that, particularly, I think, these days when it's so easy to be home. Like, it's actually easier to overwork now than before when we're in the office, you know, because you, you might actually get thrown out of the office, literally, depending on where you work. Whereas now, it's like, well, I'm about to walk past the laptop on my way to bed. I'll just have a little uh, little cheeky look on there. The next thing you know, it's two hours later. <laughs> Once upon a time, you didn't have laptops. So you would, you know, if you went home, your day's done. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. But Teams can be on your personal phone as well. So therefore you, you can always be on. And I think that, I think it is about recognising, but there are two things as managers, I think. There's there's recognising it for what it is, like going above and beyond. And then there's also recognising it if it's becoming that regular, that regular cadence and bringing them, you know, I am aware that you're doing this. You, you don't need to necessarily change their behaviour, but I'm aware that you're doing this. It's not, expected of you to do this we're quite lucky in where we work is that we have to fill in timesheets because we we have to bill our clients and that so actually we can see who is actually putting in those extra hours and we can then obviously recommend changes to actually bring the the number of hours that they actually work but if you don't have that 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 visibility then it is very difficult as a manager to to understand how much extra work because there is lots of that little drip feed exactly as russell said mm. you know there's things you know i do it i don't recognize you know you know at the end of the week when i do my time sheet i do you know i, I spent half an hour i did half an hour of extra email checking on the way to you know before i before i started to come into work but i don't count that in you know so there are even yeah. though i do potentially work a little bit over my normal hours i do even more because i don't actually include the time because it it isn't part of my work day. Whenever I've recorded time, like you mentioned, I know I didn't record all my time. Be careful of relying upon any, I guess, data that says what people have been doing because they fudge it because everyone wants to, to seem to be doing more in the less time. If you know what I mean? I don't want to put, I've done 50 hours when I've done 20. I would much more like to put, I've done 20 when I've done 50 because I, I want people to think I'm doing great. So I'm, I'm my own worst enemy at times. And that's the thing you very hard to sometimes spot is the people that are doing things behind the scenes, especially now working from home. Um, as we say, you can't see people. Um, so only if they let reveal themselves by sending messages or being on Slack or things like that, can you do it? It can be dangerous. The timesheet point is so good. They, you know, they are basically an illusion, I think. But um, what I was going to say, there are, there are people out there who need to work more hours or quote unquote harder than others. Otherwise, they are like restless and they genuinely and they genuinely struggle. So it's like it's almost like. You know, and particularly working remotely, I think we need to get away from this kind of. It's almost like presenteeism can get out of control in this situation, and because person A is doing forty-five hours, and person B is doing thirty-five, there's it's easy for that bias to creep in that you know, the person doing forty-five hours is on the case, whereas actually. If you aren't if you aren't tying that conversation to impact and outcomes, whatever they may be, 
you know, at, at the company level and maybe also at the personal level as well. You're not really, you're not really getting an accurate picture if you only look at that. It's like, it'd be like lines of code or number of yeah. test cases, similar kind of thing. It's like, we've had, it's we've not, had these conversations about measures before and metrics and things, but you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. And, and it's, it's to, to the point at the beginning of the banter, it's, it's perception on other things and like putting pressure on ourselves and um sometimes i guess a good thing to talk about here might be have you found a way to sort of break that cycle yourself have you have you found a way to sort of get around that like i have had calls with people on this zoom right now where i have I've said I, I've I've been chatting to people and, and they've they've noticed and thankfully the relationship I have with a few of my good peers is that they are absolutely welcome to be like what's up what's wrong he's struggling with things and like you can say yeah things are fine or oh no everything's all right and like having that ability to be humble and accountable is a really special thing for me as a personal, 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 person, person who is personally appreciating these things. Because if I didn't have that, if I didn't have somebody who felt like they could call me out on things, maybe I've got worked up in my own brain about something. If I didn't have that, then I don't know what kind of a spiral I'd get myself into. I don't know how far I would go down just internalizing and worrying about things like I couldn't possibly tell my boss about these things or I've got these expectations at the workplace I haven't got like that sanity check with somebody to be able to see is this thing that I'm feeling or experiencing a real thing and actually half the time talking about it is what solves the problem for me and hopefully in the workplace i'm able to therefore model that with other people because there's i've i, I know with with some friends i've been able to call them out and when i've worked with some of these guys and just said um i noticed you did this that's not why were you doing that that's this outside of your work time you shouldn't be doing these things we've got something called blue sky in the workplace what are you doing writing test results you know like having that relationship with people where you can push into that i think it can be really special i think with all these things you have to be careful you have to you know be challenging but not abrupt with it i guess because you know there could be reasons um as we described earlier people can be working crazy weird patterns right now um it's not there's no rules against it it's just be conscious of the impact it has on others um because you send a message at 10 p.m they could be watching they could want to reply and things like that. To me, the biggest change I've done is I've actually not got work emails on my phone in my current job. Every job I've probably had beforehand, I always have had probably Teams, Slack, and Outlook. And I might put it on silent, or I might put it so it stops messaging me, but it's still there, and I can just go to my phone when I'm bored for three seconds and pick it up and have a look. And it just it's not a big thing for me, but people around me have said, why are you always on your phone? Why are you checking your work emails? Why are you replying? And 99% of the time, none of the things I did helped dramatically at the time. There's nothing I did that couldn't wait till the next morning. You know, I think there's been one occasion where that's probably not 
through. But I think every other case, it was something that could have waited. Some Most of the time, it's caused the other person to reply because they've also got it on their phone. And it's also highlighted it. So I've kind of taken it off my phone and I've also started scheduling things so that it messages go in work hours unless there's a particular reason for it not to. So that people can kind of see that. So I may do weird hours. The final thing I've done is I talk to my boss. It's not everything everyone's comfortable with, but I've kind of said, you know, like occasionally I'll do things out of hours a bit later because I'm being flexible. So yeah, it's fine. Just don't work more than you should. Um, and I feel like I've got a good relationship that I can be transparent with my boss on that. Not everyone's got that luxury, but it's helped me, helped me manage expectations. I've had jobs where I've done 60-hour weeks quite commonly. And that was the expectation as well, which is more worrying, but never mind. I think getting rid of things off my phone just got rid of the convenience. That was probably the biggest win I've had. For me, I, again, I've got a similar story. So I'm very lucky I've got a work phone. So everything... I've got nothing on my personal phone. So I can, at the end of the day, or when I'm on holiday, just leave that, switch it off, not actually access it if I choose not to. Uh, the other thing, again, reiterating Chris's and Russell's point, is it, it's the quality of the communication with your manager and and being able to, as a manager, be open and honest with the other person. But also going up to Russell's point about, you know, if you, you sometimes need to recognise it in yourself that that things are starting to be expected of you of working extra hours and and actually potentially call it out and 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 I know that takes a different type of person if you don't have that quite of type of communication or culture but it's certainly worth um questioning it or or pulling back if you feel that that's necessary um and things are starting to get out of hand um and call the company out a little bit on it because it shouldn't you shouldn't have to be put under that much pressure for the amount that you're actually paid in the company they should be they should have a duty of care because and a work-life balance yeah I'd, I'd, I'd go along with all of that i accidentally found myself in the situation that russell talked about not having things on my i've, I've got my own separate work phone that i like to you know so i can separate stuff but but then um, there was a policy change at work. And so, because it wasn't an official work phone, they kind of just automatically, um, you know, I I didn't have, they just deleted access to calendar, email, and Slack and things like that. And so I just kind of decided not to put them back on my phone. I was like, hmm, actually, I'm not going to. Um, I ended up putting my calendar back on my phone just because it was convenient for me to see when I was available or not. Um, but everything else in terms of communication, nope, left it off there. And as Russell has said, the the sky has not fallen. Everything is fine. Nothing has exploded or gone wrong. You know I mean? Rainbows behind you, then. <laughs> it's the, everything's rainbows. Yeah. It is. It is a weird thought, though, isn't it? Sometimes you think, but if I don't know, if I'm not in the conversation, then nothing will work. It's like you kind of get het up about it can't wait, and it's like. No, these things are important sometimes. Yeah, we had it. I mean, we had a literally today. Uh, our, our our product manager is kind of almost like a de facto lead of the team, along with the engineering manager. She was she was telling us that she's going to be on on holiday for a couple of weeks. She's like, you know, and she's awesome. Hope she's not going to listen to this, <laughs> but she is genuinely awesome. But she's also 
I would say, um, stereotypically American in that when she goes on holiday, she's available. So she's like, yeah, if I got, you know, I'm going to be away for two weeks, I'll be back on such and such a date. Um, but uh, if you need me, let me know. And I was like, everyone, can we all activate the block feature on Slack? I don't even know if there is one. I was just messing around. Like, if we see a message from her and we're not replying, are we in agreement? And it's like, yeah, we're not going to. Set you out of office, turn your notifications off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, where are you going? So it was like, you know, and that's that comes back to the communication thing. Like, if you have that expectation with your team, that you know, here's what I am going to be doing. Here's what I'm not going to be doing. I think it works, even if that looks like overworking to some, or not working hard enough to others. Because I work all the time. I'm either doing something in my nine to five job, or I'm doing something for myself in my five to nine job, as I like to say. Um, and Chris is always very, uh, very available to tell me off if she thinks I'm overdoing it. So uh, yeah, Chris is good wrong. at that. Yeah, I like telling need, people off. You need people around, you know, my wife and my daughter also are very, very good at that. <laughs> Tell me about that stuff. So I guess, you know, we, we're kind of saying it's it's bad, but I guess there's a said I think it is bad, but there has been times where I think it was also the right thing, and I'll stand by that, which is like I was managing teams in Canada and um they were messaging me not expecting answers, but I'd rather give them an answer so they didn't have to wait 24 hours to do something. And that was a time where I think it was appropriate for me to kind of have things on, but I had to be very self-controlled to just deal with that situation. And I think there are times when if you're managing people from across the world that you may need to be a little bit flexible, um, but that, they were generally anything big would wait till the next day. Anything that was a quick yes, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a problem. That was done on the spot type thing. But um, if I didn't, it wouldn't have been the end of the world still. It was just me a better relationship to have with them by being able to help them more quickly but there was never an expectation on their part or mine that i would definitely answer again it's about managing that expectation but i felt i was a better manager by being flexible where i could be and if i was in the cinema guess what i wasn't replying to them but if i was kind of at home sat on the couch um, or doing a release at night overnight i would reply and things like that so it's about figuring out what's right what's sensible, but yeah, most of my team would not have a problem. To Vernon's point, like I always tell my teams, like if I'm away and you need me and it's something only I know or got permission to do, message me. If otherwise, don't um, kind of thing. But if it's something only I can do, then feel free to, but only at the point it's the only thing, I'm the only one that can do it. Um, and it's just saying that I am available if you need me. I'd rather you didn't wait two weeks to get something that depended upon me, but there's not much that does. So if there is, What's at me? Because that's the only thing I've got going. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, good luck. Great learning opportunity. Sometimes there are people who are trying to achieve a goal, like a personal one, like they're trying to uh, strive some personal growth, get a promotion, get a pay rise, whatever. So they may put in some serious effort, right? And there are others in the same team, you know, in the same organization who aren't and that that's not won't it's aren't because it could be a million reasons why they aren't why they're not doing it how to handle that situation because i don't think either individual is wrong quote unquote in that situation how would you handle that if that was somebody in your team 
Well, how have you handled that if that's within your team? It depends on the context. It depends on the the actual people that are actually doing it, and the, and almost the reasons that they are doing it. And going back to your point, is the impact that they have. Just because someone is showboating and going, look at all the fantastic work I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm going for promotion. Actually, if they're just flapping about and and just showing off, then actually that's not valid work. And as a manager, I would I'd pick them up on that and and actually ask them to to show evidence of what they're actually doing as part of that in order to to focus their attention to what's important and also take into account of their uh, you know especially the the people that aren't putting any of those extra hours in the reasons why they could have things at, at home that you know they, they could have a, like you say they could have a daughter or ever or they could be a carer or whatever so actually what they're able to achieve if it has as much impact as the person that's showboating, then actually I would treat them as equals. Cool. There's a there's a there's a whole sort of a sporty analogy you can throw in here, I think, as well. You, you know, we we've we hear in, in sporting terms, there are sometimes those metronomes in sports who are just incredibly consistent performers. They're they're, they're the same week in, week out. And as a manager, you just know exactly what you're going to get out of them but that's not always what you need sometimes you need that mercurial talent who could be putting in like a three out of ten performance one week and absolutely terrible but in in different scenarios in different contexts they are the people that go above and beyond they're the ones who do something absolutely insane and something you would never encourage them to do or coach them to do on one week and they might just turn out and do something completely bonkers. And it's what you need as a team. And those sorts of characters, like we need a balance. You need to know your stability. You need to know what anchors you, but you need to know you've got the ability sometimes to go far and wide and, and have that flexibility. And the best teams have got that dynamic. So rather than just looking at, say, individuals, you want to know who are the leaders, who are the anchors in the teams, who are the ones that kind of, you know, have got, a bit of charismatic flair, a bit of creativity, a bit je of a bit of je ne sais quoi, a bit of nonsense, a bit of something that might just just turn things around. And and you know, I think of it more more as like a team sport than just an individual one. So you know, like when David Beckham was made the England manager, I think that was a, the manager captain. I think that was a ridiculous choice because I don't think he was that solid, reliable player. He's a flair player who could take a nice free kick. Yeah, he might have done a bit more than that. But, um, you know, you, you, when you look at, say, a football team, you're looking at certain kind of positions of, of perspective and leadership and reliability, and that's what you need to have to anchor you. And that's why they typically say, like, it's like a central defender or a midfielder who's got someone that's got a good perspective all the way around them is quite a good position of leadership. On average, not all the yeah. time, Russell. I don't need to. <laughs> but do, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's that perspective, it's that character, it's that personality, and and I think sometimes that's you want inspiration, of... though. So sometimes you do look for that so, inspirational character as well, rather than just so, so. But then even in even in terms of like, just I'm going to carry on the football theme because why not? 
there are certain footballers that will have like a, a desire. They want to be the captain of a team. They want to go and play for their country. They want to go and play in the Champions League. But the only way they can do that is by achieving well. And again, it's a team sport. If you just go off and do all your nonsense by yourself and the rest of your team suffer as a result of that week in, week out, you're not going to get played and you're probably not going to get picked up by a team unless the nonsense that you do is something that's going to fit in remarkably well elsewhere but you're probably not going to get the minutes and time and you're going to be able to display that benefit and all those things it's 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 over a period of time like so so to the point of like looking for consistency so like it, a, a burn down chart or a velocity chart that we have in scrum if you're if you're teams estimates are going crazy wild spikes where you know a couple of sprints are super super high and we managed to do like 80 80 points whatever they mean and then like you you'd like plummet down to 20 because the team burnt out and nobody was able to achieve anything that isn't actually a healthy dynamic for the team we expect there to be a bit of give and take and flexibility but if the the peaks and troughs are so wildly apart there's probably a problem and 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 it's I'm kind of I'm hoping that there's more of a dynamic there that that the team can sort of support each other and be a bit more flexible in that sense. And on that bombshell, should, we should end the podcast. We should definitely end it there before David kills us all. Yeah. Um, so thank you once again for joining. Thank you to our sponsors, Ben and Saffron QA. Um, you can reach out to us uh, at many of the socials. You'll find us on Instagram, on Twitter mainly, various other places I can't even remember anymore. Uh, but you can reach out to us at contact us at testingpeers.com as well, which is probably one of the good avenues to reach out to us. So thank you, everyone. Appreciate your efforts. It was an interesting conversation, and it's interesting to see all our kind of experiences and different things. So thank you for joining us, everyone. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. Goodbye.